Episode 18 of the Happens to Your Career podcast starts now. Post Merry Christmas, or whatever you say after Christmas. <laughs> post Merry Christmas. Post Merry Christmas to you too. Yeah, post post Merry Christmas. I, I did you get did you did you get socks for Christmas? I, why would you ask something like that? I don't know. I did not get socks, but if I had, I would have been grateful for them. A while back, you seemed to be pretty excited about yeah. socks. Well, I still would have been. I just didn't get any. How about you? How was your Christmas? I I did get socks. No, so are you grateful for them? I I am grateful though. I consider that a 10 out of 11 Christmas. Or backwards, 10, 11 out of 10. I don't, I don't know. This has happened to your career. The show that is all about helping you move to work you love. We want you to do work that fits your unique and signature strengths. We will bring you inspiration, tools, and roadmaps to help you in your journey. I'm Scott Anthony Barlow. We are extremely excited to have Emily Chase Smith on the show today. Emily Chase Smith Esquire is the entrepreneur's money expert. And Emily is a California attorney with a long history of helping business owners and entrepreneurs make financially savvy decisions as they start, grow, and transition in their businesses because money only counts if you keep it. She hosts the Entrepreneur's Money podcast and blogs at Emily Chase Smith. Emily, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, I'm thrilled to be here, Scott. (laughs) We are thrilled to have you, to say the least. So I'm hoping just off the get-go, you know, I've kind of given your, you know, overall bio, but I'm hoping you could just share a little bit more with us and our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself, not just professionally, but also personally. Oh, well, um, you know, personally, I'm a mom of three. I've got a 13-year-old daughter, seven-year-old daughter, five-year-old son. Um, We live in Southern California, so our lives revolve around the beach and the tide and the weather. Um, Yeah, we just, we love to be here. And I love the freedom that entrepreneurship provides me to be with my kids and my family. And we were just talking earlier and you were, I'm, I'm a little jealous because you were out paddleboarding <laughs> this morning. Most mornings. Most yeah. Mornings. That is awesome. Yeah. Although, you know, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because I've got my eye on a new race board and I know my husband's just shaking his head like, no <laughs> more boards, no more boards. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. So, so, so what about the, what about the professional side too? You know, tell me a little bit more about that. You love the some of the freedoms that entrepreneurship offers you, you know, what, what else would you add to that? Well, you know, I think I appreciate it so much because, you know, I've been a lawyer for, I say like a thousand years. I mean, I started law school when I was 19. I graduated when I was 21. So I've been in the legal profession forever. And, um, you know, as a practicing attorney, sometimes a trial attorney, sometimes I was more transactional, but, you know, I've worked for a lot of different law firms, some, you know, A plus rated firms, um, big firms, 40, 50 lawyers, and then some smaller firms, you know, just throughout the years, because I practiced for many, many years. And so having been in that environment, you know, with the billable hours and the whole shebang, like you see in movies and television shows, and a lot of that is based in reality. So, you know, I can really, really appreciate the freedom that I have, you know, to to drop my kids off at school and go paddle boarding, then come sit down and talk to you. You know, I mean, that's, that's what my morning looks like. And I've got a bunch of, you know, other fun stuff lined up to do today that I'm excited about, you know, which is a big contrast to what it was like back when I worked for firms. 
So I, I took two things out of that. One is that uh, <laughs> what we're reading in John Grisham books <laughs> is not too far off the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the second thing is that uh, you know, and you and I have talked before uh, once or twice along the way, and you know, I know that you're pretty passionate about what you get to do now for a whole variety of reasons, which we yeah. just have have just started to talk about. So, you know, I. I'm curious though, you know, as you have, as you've been, uh, been an attorney and as you've kind of gone along this journey, what really took place or what, what events happened that caused you to start looking at entrepreneurship? What has kind of led you down this path? You know, it's interesting. There's always been a seed there, you know, as you kind of look back and kind of, or, you know, no, nothing is ever, you know, this straight path, uh, no, you know, there's not. always, yeah, it's always all these zigzags, right? But as I look back, I mean, there were definitely seeds and signs. Back even when I was young, I liked to bead. And so I would do this loom beading and I wrote this book on loom beading and put together these kits and, you know, went to the the craft shows and was selling these. You know, I must have been like, now 17, 18 years old, you know, that was there. My great grandfather was a self-made um, citrus farmer, very, very successful. My dad owned an architecture firm and he did, you know, he designed and built our local libraries, lots of churches. He builds schools now, you know, so it's there. Um, I chose to follow a more traditional path. I think part of that is because I'm a firstborn. And if a firstborn says the words law school, they will go. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you cannot give your parents that kind of ammo <laughs> as a firstborn. So, you know, I even though the seeds were there, I ended up lockstepping in a very traditional path. And, and in that, you know, we still even brought some of that creativity. Like when I was planning on having my first child, she was born in 2000. So about a year before that, that, you know, I knew that I didn't want to have this very intense lifestyle that I had had before. So even at that, even working with a big, big firm, you know, I negotiated some different terms for myself um, based on my billable hours and, you know, more of a part-time situation for myself, even, you know, back in 2000 when I had my first daughter. So you know, it's interesting. You kind of, you kind of see how the thing ebb and flowed. And then, you know, once you get a taste of that kind of freedom, forget about it, you know? <laughs> so, so talk to us about that, because I think we've got people in our audience that, uh, that are interested in creating more of the lifestyle and career that matches up with, you know, a whole bunch of the things that they want. So, you know, what did you do to be able to, um, I guess, come out on the other end with, uh, with what you were doing at the time for, um, I guess that, uh, that flexible schedule, I'm going to call it for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of, you know, back then it, that yeah. was not a thing. And especially in the law, I mean, they are not, you know, law firms are no. not known for their no, flexibility. No, no. <laughs> um, I think the main thing I did was demonstrate value. So at that time I was practicing in a very niche area. I was representing mobile home parks in the state of California. And, you know, so it was a very, there aren't a ton, but, but the mobile home parks that exist need this very specialized legal help. Um, so there were only a handful of law firms that were going to need me, but there were only a handful of me's for those law firms. (laughs) So when I switched firms, I came in as a part-time person. So I came in demonstrating, you know, I have these skills that your, that your clients need and I'm very efficient. I bill very well. And so instead of me being overhead where you're going to have to pay me X number of dollars 
per year, why don't I just take a cut of the billable hours you know, that you're going to bill out to your clients? So actually, I'm a revenue generator for you. And that's sort of the way I approached it. And I did that for several, several years with a couple different firms. And, and see, that's, that's great because that different type of mindset, I think, is... Uh, really not only helpful to being able to negotiate other terms for whatever, whatever type of, you know, role that you're in, but also it's, I believe it's a necessity. And I, you know, as we work with different people, we find that people are thinking about it the other way. It's more of a, you know, what, what can I get out of the job? Not what mm-hmm. do I bring to the table? What value do I bring to the table? So I love that you're talking about that. You really have to approach it, you know, what's in it for them. And I think too, when you're sitting across from these senior partners, they're almost always men. They're almost always litigators. These are scary dudes. (laughs) And you have to be thinking in your mind, okay, what's in it for them? What are they concerned with? You know, what's their bottom line? They want the work done. They want the clients well taken care of. So that's something you immediately have to address anytime you're talking about doing something you know, out of the ordinary, you know, you've, you've got to make sure that, you know, you've got something stable where they feel like their clients aren't going to slip through the cracks. Cause you know, for us, that's a malpractice issue for other people it can be a customer service issue. Um, and then, you know, really the bottom line for them, that this makes sense for them financially as a business owner. You know, I, that almost kind of goes back to a little bit of uh, Zig Ziglar's, you know, being able to help everybody else get what they want <laughs> and, and you can get what you want. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, even in that still, you have to be flexible. I mean, you're still part of the team. Uh, You know, I was never like, well, I'm only there till, you know, two or whatever, you know, and I'm out the door, you know, that attitude doesn't fly well anywhere. And, and, you know, it's not going to help you continue on a good, solid, positive relationship when, you know, you might be the only one in the office who's flexing like this. So you really almost have to be kind of the best person on the team because people are kind of looking at you sideways, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually doing that right now. So I completely understand. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as soon as you get something special, you got to make sure everybody believes you really deserve it. You almost yeah. have to overcompensate is the mm-hmm. way that I feel sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. So when, you know, and, and you're still doing you're still doing some of the attorney stuff in addition to what you are uh, doing as an entrepreneur. Is that correct? I do. You know, I, I don't work for a firm anymore, yeah, and I yeah. haven't for many many years. But yeah, I do have in within my own business have a branch that still does some of that legal work. It's all on the financial side, so it's like debt negotiation and uh, local bankruptcy work. So how is how is that different in terms of you know? your, your love of your work now versus what it was then you were in that intense schedule and, you know, were you doing different work at that time too? Or is it, uh, you know, how did, how did that happen in reality? What, uh, what were some of the things that you had to go through to move towards what you wanted to be doing? Well, it's interesting because I had done some bankruptcy work with different smaller firms in the past. Yeah. And um, so I had confidence in that. However, in 2004, we moved to Prague, the Czech Republic. Uh We were there for five years. So we were there from 04 to 09. My husband's a teacher. And so he taught with a local British school there. Um, And we had a couple more kids. And so for me, it was kind of a time to to check out. And so when I did that, when I was over in Prague and I had these babies, I was teaching online. I was teaching paralegals and law students online and, and for one semester there locally in Prague. Um, 
but in able, being able to kind of check out, it, it was a real big gift because I got to kind of look around and say, okay, so when we go back, I almost have a do-over, but mm-hmm. now I have all this experience. So why don't I pick what I want to do? You know, I fell into representing mobile home park owners. I had a friend from law school and it, it was a good fit. It was fine, but it's not something I chose. So I thought when we come back to the U.S., I'm going to choose, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be intentional about what I do. So when I look back through the, the areas I had practiced in before, you know, I was still kind of in the box, right? But I thought bankruptcy was the thing that I liked the best because you took somebody who was in a bad situation and you put them in a better situation. And in law, that's not always the case. A lot of times it's just a lot of fighting and everybody's bloody at the end. But with bankruptcy, you can really, it's really a, a helping area of the law. So I I, when I came back, that's where I really focused. And because I had some competency from the past, you know, I was able to sort of fit in there. But while I was gone in Prague, I had done a lot of reading and a lot of listening to podcasts. And so when I came back, I actually hired on to our biggest firm here in Southern California, mm-hmm. um, partially as an attorney, a bankruptcy attorney, and partially in their marketing department. Because at that point, I had a mommy podcast, I had blogged. And so I did all their blogging for them. And we did a series of videos and I did their public speaking for them. So, you know, it's, it's again, that path that kind of wiggles back and forth. When I came back in 09, I had a foot in the bankruptcy camp, but there was a strong entrepreneurial piece, although I wasn't doing it for myself. I was doing it for this big firm. It's kind of interesting to see how those things dovetail together as you add all these different layers of competency that you have and sort of see how they fit together. So that, that's really interesting. I didn't know about that. And like I said, you and I had chatted before and knew a little bit about your story, but I didn't realize that uh, that you had you know a little bit more in between and you're working you know a whole bunch of different uh, different things marketing and so on and so forth for the firm after you came back from yeah that's that's really interesting so, yeah you know jump jumping ahead a little bit to to now what what's inspiring you to do the work that you're doing now you know it's interesting um I've seen such a big jump in personal finance, you know, with Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman, there's so much that I've seen. And and those are almost like you can say Orman or Ramsey, and that's kind of shorthand for being financially savvy in your personal life, right? You can subscribe to one of those schools of thought. That wasn't the case years ago. And, you know, I've been practicing bankruptcy law for a long time, so I know. (laughs) And um, I sort of, I want to bring that to the entrepreneurs. I want that level of financial savvy for business owners owners as they're inside their business and as they're dovetailing their business with their personal life. I feel like there's a big hole there. So it's really inspiring for me. I say I want to be the Dave Ramsey slash Susie Orman of business finance for small businesses so they can feel like they have those tools, um, that confidence that somebody gets when they go through a Ramsey or Orman type of program. And, and I love that uh, that that's what you that's where you've claimed your space because it really doesn't feel like I haven't seen too many people that are in that space and that's so so ridiculously needed and you know as I think about uh, about our audience we're really passionate about getting people to work that they love from wherever they're at and you know some of, for some of those people that is starting a business and other people that's more traditional type type uh, role but you know for those on the on the side of starting a business what advice would you give them just starting out and making that transition 
You know, I tell a story about watching my my younger brother, he's five years younger than I am, yeah. walking out onto the baseball field to ready to play baseball the first time. He's like seven. And in my family, when you're young, the bets are off when you're old, we are skinny. Like we are like, how is that kid standing up, knock kneed, skinny, right? So here's this little seven-year-old kid like walking out on the baseball field, all excited. It's his first day to play baseball. And I'm sure the coach didn't see him coming thinking, that's my star player. You know, that's my boy. <laughs> he treated all those little skinny knock kneed kids just like the bigger kids and coached them all to be successful. And so that's my advice to newbies is, you know, what the financial piece matters. It can sink you or swim you. And if, and if you ignore it, it will sink you. But if you nurture it and coach it and pay attention to it, it'll really help you go the distance. So even if you haven't made a dollar yet, it's still worthwhile thinking about how are we going to put this thing together so that I can go the distance with my business, so that I can be successful long-term. So let's, let's break it down and make it actionable. If uh, what are the first one or two things that I can do to be able to achieve what, what you're talking about with uh, considering it and, and planning it? And you know, what are, what are some of the things that I can do in reality to make that happen? Absolutely. The first thing is super easy. Just open an account for your business. Keep it separate. I call it the mullet theory of business finance. <laughs> Party in the front, business in, or no, sorry, business in the, oh, I'm mixing it up. Oh, Which man. one is it? The, the short, the front, the long, and the back. Oh no, mullet theory. But you keep it separate, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's party in the back, business in the front. I flipped those words around. But you want to keep it separate because you always want to know what's going on in your business. And if you mix all this stuff together, you're not going to know what you're spending. You're not going to really be clear on what you're bringing in. And you're not going to know what's working for your business. So you're just out there kind of making stuff up. So as soon as you step up, a, set up a separate account, you can at least start to see as stuff goes in and stuff goes out. And people feel a little funny again about it because they're like, I haven't really made anything. And I let them know, you know, tell have um, quotas. They have to open up a certain number of accounts per month. So you're doing your local teller a favor when you walk up and say you want to open up a separate account. So that's the very first thing that people can do. Super, super easy. Just keep it very separate. And the second thing is a little more challenging, but you want to cash flow project that business. You want to be looking at the next 12 months and you want to say, are we sustainable for the next 12 months? And if not, you know, if, if we're not going to be cash flowing this business inside the business, if we don't think we're going to have income coming in that's going to meet all our expenses, which for most businesses, that's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Where's that money going to come from? And how are we going to be really wise about where we're going to either pull that money from personally or take that money from, you know, on the outside? Who are we going to bring into the business? Who are we going to decide to be um, owing in terms of making this business run for the next 12 months. Because if you can get that monkey off your back, if you can know where the money's going to come from for the next year, you can really focus on your business and building your business instead of having these oh crap moments all the time where you know a bill or something comes in and you can't pay it. So it's kind of patching that personal finance idea over again to the business. Like you don't do that in your in your personal life, that would be terrible. If, if the rent came due and you had no idea where it was going to come from, that would be a terrible position to be in. So we don't want you to do that on the business side either. You know, I'm really appreciating what you said about um, getting that monkey off your back. And I think that's extremely important, especially for entrepreneurs, because, you know, often <laughs> most, most entrepreneurs are people that are starting something on their own. You know, their, their time and 
energy and creativity and all those things really doesn't need to be spent on worry or stress about, uh, about the money side of it or, you know, on a whole bunch of other things too. So, you know, that's, I, I can completely appreciate that. So that, that would be extremely helpful. And, that, and that's kind of the way that we're running our business to be honest with you for that exact reason. You know, I, I haven't completely stepped off the dock and I'm still you know, working, um, working a little bit with, uh, with my other, you know, other, other job too at the same time. So that way I don't have some of those financial pressures, even though we're profitable. And even though we're, you know, doing well, we were only, you know, three or four months in or whatever it's been, it's been a crazy journey. So I, I, I love that. And, and can, I guess, personally recommend that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And, you know, I think you've made a really wise decision because, you know, a lot of times in the entrepreneurial community, you know, there's kind of like a, the real ones and the fake ones, you know, like people who are, who are running their entrepreneurial new business as a side gig. Are you really an entrepreneur? Are you all in, you know, and that's sort of like the mommy wars. Are you the mom that works or doesn't work? You know, there is room for all of us to do what we think is wise in our business. And, um, I think it's really wise to keep that financial pressure out of your business because, you know, nothing smells worse than a, somebody who's desperate. You know, you know that even from dating, <laughs> exactly. you know, if a girl comes up to you and she smells desperate, you run the other way. And it's the same thing in business. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to bring an air of desperation to your business if, if, if you're desperate. <laughs> well, you're talking about Dave Ramsey too. Uh, you know, and I've heard him say again and again, yeah, you know, things like, hey, you want to make sure that before you, you know, when you, before you step into the boat, you know, if you're going to go water skiing, you don't have, you know, one, uh, one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat when it pulls out, you want to, be able to <laughs> you know, solidly put both feet in the boat or whatever. However that goes, I probably exactly. butchered it, but. <laughs> like the mullet theory of finance. Yeah, like the yeah. mullet theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. <laughs> oh my. So, you know, what a. You've also had a lot of experience working in, in more traditional diaper roles too. So what advice would, you know, just, just having had this progressive career that's gone to a whole bunch of different places, what would you advice would you give for somebody on the other side, just as they're pursuing their career as a whole and trying to get to work that they love, to work that they want to do, that fits them, that matters to them? You know, it's interesting because I'm not that far out of it. You know, it was only in 09 that I was hiring on with this big bankruptcy firm and having to demonstrate um, who I was and why I was valuable to them. And it's funny, as I was there, I had another attorney turn to me and say, what job ad did you answer to do what you're doing? And I said, I didn't answer an ad at all. These people didn't even know they wanted me. I showed up at their doorstep. You know, I didn't actually show up at their office, but, you know, I interfaced with them a lot demonstrating to them why I would be a super valuable member of their team. And I think that is the biggest piece. You know, a degree doesn't do it anymore. A piece of paper is not enough. The more that you can demonstrate who you are and what you can bring to a business. Now, business owners are busy. They have a lot to do. If you can show up and say, you know, I know it's not connected with being a bankruptcy attorney, but I've been a food blogger for two years that demonstrates a lot. That's a lot of tech savvy that firm probably doesn't have. Um, that's a lot of discipline. That's 
a, a big writing skill. Um, I mean, I showed up at that firm and I showed him my mommy blog. <laughs> you know, what's further from being a bankruptcy attorney than you know having a podcast talking about being a mom? You know, but it demonstrated a lot to them, and they were like, "We don't have those skills. We're all a bunch of lawyers." You know, those are huge marketing skills that that uh, we can take on and you know and for them I was telling them and by the way you know I'll do consults I'll do court appearances too for you you know there's a lot of different ways you can use me in your business so for people who are on the traditional route it doesn't have to be necessarily traditional you can write your own job description and I know one question Scott that you ask a lot of your um guess is who's inspirational for them. And I learned that from Dan Miller. And I know he's been a guest on your show. Yeah, Dan Miller will walk you through step-by-step in 48 days to the work you love on how to show up, become top of mind for them and really demonstrate who you are. And, and I just followed that book. Like, you know, it was the Bible to me and it absolutely worked. That's awesome. First of all, (laughs) I was going to say, we, (laughs) we love that book, recommend that book highly. Actually, my wife was, uh, my wife, Alyssa, you know, she does the books for the business and a whole bunch of other stuff too. And, and we were looking at it last night. It's like, Oh my goodness, we bought a lot of copies of (laughs) just like another $11 charge for that. (laughs) I buy them in bulk and I used to keep them when I did more bankruptcy. I'd keep those, um, and I just hand them out like candy because if somebody was having an income problem, which, you know, sometimes is the case when they're filing for bankruptcy, yeah. I'd be like, here you go. Th- this will really take you a long way in terms of figuring out the income piece. It, it, oh, man, there's so much value in that. And obviously, we can't recommend it for enough. We we actually just got a letter the other day from uh, somebody who we gave it to. And now she's um, she is moving to Africa here in the next uh, next six months, I believe, and going to actually put a little bit of her career on hold while she does some volunteer work and then creates a brand new career down there. So thanks, Dan Miller. Thanks Emily, for bringing it up. <laughs> we love you, Dan. <laughs> you, Dan. Actually, when I, when I interviewed Dan, I told my 13 year old, I said, Oh, I'm interviewing Dan Miller. She goes, oh, he's the president of entrepreneurs. <laughs> and I told Dan and he cracked up. <laughs> I was like, that's how you're known around my house. Like you're the president of entrepreneurs. It's <laughs> <That was> hilarious. <laughs> Have to let Dan know that half the show is about him. <laughs> we just do shows about Dan. It's, yeah, it's not though. It's about you. So, you know, anybody else that you would say has inspired you throughout your journey? You know what I think is most inspirational to me is sort of the community aspect. Yeah. You know, if you can get in a community that is very giving and encouraging. And the the online entrepreneurial community is very much that way. And again, because I come from the legal community, which is very much not that way, um, you know, it's very competitive. Uh, it's, it's really encouraging to me. There are so very many people that I just really appreciate for freely giving of themselves, giving of their wisdom, you know, doing podcasts, blogging, writing books. I know it's a business for them, but they, they give so much more value to the world than, you know, that they, than they receive, you know, in terms of compensation. And I just love that part about being in the entrepreneurial community, just how giving and, accepting and connecting everybody is it, it was really a surprise for me to kind of land there. That is, I've, I've found the same thing over and over again. And I've talked about it on, on past episodes. And then we've talked about it with a lot of, a lot of people online. We get messages all about, you know, that too, but I'm constantly amazed by that. And, you know, my background has been, it's, I'm not an attorney or anything along those lines, but I've come out of similar environments 
and it's it's just so polar opposite almost. It's so mm-hmm. re-energizing. It is. I'm trying to remember who even connected us, but somebody said, you know, Emily and Scott, you guys should meet. And then boom, you know, that doesn't happen in the legal field. You know, Emily and Scott, you guys should meet because we, yeah. we think you'd be able to do some good business together or you would like each other. or You have similar backgrounds. No, you know, it's Emily and Scott should you know, put on their boxing gloves and square off. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I think it was Mike Koala. <laughs> we'll See, and he's a, he's a level five connector, that he man. He is, that man. <laughs> <laughs> Geez, we're talking about Dan Miller. I think this has turned into the Mike Koala show. We, <laughs> <laughs> we just had an episode a few weeks ago, I think it was, that uh, that we were talking about that exactly. But but again, let's let's bring it back to you, though. And, oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Man, can't you talk about yourself for just, uh, a, just a minute here? I'll so, try. you know, we've been all over the place here in terms of uh, some of the topics we're covering. And I, I actually love that. I love uh, I love what you're talking about. I love what you're giving our audience. And... I would ask for, you know, just a, just a little bit more. So besides, besides the entrepreneur's money podcast, what, what's, what's a resource or, um, or something else that you would recommend to people or maybe one that's helped you in the past? Hmm. Well, I mean, I already talked about 48 days to the work you love. You did. Um, gosh, there's just so much good stuff out there. For me, the problem is I, I kind of have to turn, turn the inputs on and off like a tap. So they're just, I mean, there's great, great podcasts out there. There's fantastic books. There's more than you can even take in. So I kind of go through spurts where I'll, I'll do a lot of listening and a lot of reading and I'll sort of fill up with ideas. And then I have to turn off the tap. I have to stop listening and reading so I can go execute. And then when I'm ready for some fresh ideas, I'll turn it back on. I mean, there's, it, it's just good, really, really good stuff. That's, that's really interesting. I, I do the exact same thing. I didn't know there were <laughs> other people that were doing this. Exact <laughs> it gets overwhelming. It, yeah. It if does. you're just listening all the time and reading all the time. Yeah. No. So I'm on one of those execution phases right now. Yeah. And yeah, we've, we've had a couple of projects that we're working on here and, and uh, my, my podcasts on, <laughs> on my iTunes app, or I think I've got like 40 or 50 or something in there that haven't been listened to yeah. staring me down for <laughs> When I get to they'll still be point. there. That's the great thing about yeah, podcasts. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Mine looks the same. I'm exactly in that right now. But yeah, you, you've subscribed. And so when you're ready to turn on the tap again, there they all are, the old episodes and the new episodes. Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah. you know, I would love for you to be able to share with uh, with all of our audience what, what it is that you're working on now, Emily, what it is that is exciting you, what you have going on, and anything else that you want to throw in there. Well, I am finishing up my first book. It's called The Financially Savvy Entrepreneur. It's going to come out with Career Press in the summer of 2014. So I am heavy in writing mode. <laughs> Over Thanksgiving, my um, my husband's a teacher. So he and the kids were off and they played and my brother was out of town. So I went and used his house as a crash pad and just wrote like a crazy maniac. So I'm going to be finishing that up at the end of the year. So that feels good, you know, to write something of that magnitude and to really just get to to put all of your thoughts, you know, there's room here for, for everything I want to say, whereas, you know, with a blog post or, or a podcast, you're kind of limited by time and length. So that's been a really, really fun project. Um, and I'm also uh, in 2014 doing a series of six events that are targeted to the mental health profession, where we're really going to dig in deep to what it means to be a therapist, like a, a marriage and family therapist, 
um, from the financial side, you know, how we can really bring some of these financially savvy principles to a very specific industry. And so I'm, I'm super excited about that. And then I'm excited to start expanding it into other industries. So they're, they're kind of my test market. And um, I have a, I'm having a ton of fun just planning that event. It's, it's kind of like a sickness. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, man, you've got a, you've got a few different things going on right now. That's, that's fantastic. So for anybody who wants to come find you, where can they reach you? Uh, emilychasesmith.com is sort of the hub. And from there we can connect on social media. You can find the podcast and you shoot me, you know, just a, I I love to connect with people. If, if there's a question you have or a resource you want to share, I just would really welcome that. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And yeah, we were talking about it beforehand, but uh, I've had to reschedule a couple of times on you. So I am, I am super excited that we finally got you on here. And I think this is going to be awesome for, for our audience and our listeners. So I, I've been to Emily Chase, uh, Smith dot, dot com. Um, good stuff on there. Uh, always great content. I would highly recommend you head over there and thank you so much, Emily, for coming on the show. It's great. It was super fun. I, I love these conversations where you just kind of to, to get to follow the path and, and just, just, just share everything um, that's kind of on your mind and where you've been. I, I think your podcast is such a, a great resource because, you know, as somebody who comes from kind of a, a very traditional career path, I, I love being able to share that, you know, even if you want to stay in something like that, there are just so very many options for you. You know, you don't have to be like every other lawyer or dentist or, you know, marriage and family therapist on the block. You know, you can be your very own self. That's awesome. Love to hear it. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> 